Welcome to my podcast, The Cross in the Desert, Speaking Hope and Freedom to Iran. I'm your host, Randy L. Noble, and once again, I want to say thank you so much for taking time out of your busy life to join me today on The Cross in the Desert. On this podcast, I've been teaching the last several weeks a very in-depth, detailed, chronological study of the great book of Revelation. There are several teachings in this podcast series, and last week I took an in-depth look at what happens in that first three and a half years of the tribulation period with the opening of the second seal in Revelation chapter 6. We saw that the Lamb opened the seal and the red horse of war raided and invaded the planet Earth, and it culminated in the great battle of Gog and Magog that Ezekiel 38 explains what will happen. That is the king of the north and the king of the south coming together to make war on Israel. But God intervenes, we saw, and destroys this plan of the Antichrist. That's what we saw on the last podcast. Now, I want to make note of one thing. There are many different biblical scholars that would say that the Battle of Gog and Magog doesn't take place to the end of the tribulation period, which is really the Battle of Armageddon. Well, but I disagree with that for two very good reasons. They take place at different locations. The Battle of Gog and Magog on the last podcast from Ezekiel 38, you will notice, took place on the mountains of Israel in the first three and a half years of the tribulation period. Now, that was the war of Gog and Magog. The Battle of Armageddon involving the kings of the east takes place at the end of the tribulation period in a different location in the Valley of Megiddo. Very different, and that's why we separate these two battles. Very important distinction. Now today, on the cross in the desert, I'm going to explain what happens at the end of the first three and a half years of the tribulation period. Remember, Daniel chapter 9 outlines one week that has not yet been fulfilled, but will not take place until after the rapture of the church. And so what we're dealing with today is what happens at the end of the first three and a half years of that seven-year tribulation period. We're going back to Revelation chapter 6 today, and we're going to open up the third seal. Chapter 6 verse 5 says, When he opened the third seal... I heard the third living creature say, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hands. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. Now the purpose of this third seal is to bring about a worldwide famine. And what's important about that is that when the Antichrist and the false prophet finally implement the mark of the beast toward the end of this period, people cannot buy or sell without first taking that economic mark. And why? Because this famine has 
so strangleholded so many people they're desperate and what will they do to get some food and buy some things with this famine they will take the mark of the beast which will seal their fate forever so revelation chapter 6 verses 5 through 6 with the opening of the third seal we have famine worldwide look at verse 8 verse 8 with the fourth seal is the green horse we had the black horse of famine now we have the green horse representing death and it's going to be very deadly at this time a fourth of the earth's population will have been killed with the opening of this fourth seal now i want us to jump ahead to the sixth seal and there's a reason revelation chapter 6 verses 12 through 13 again reminding you we're detailing what happens at the end of the first three and a half years of the tribulation period verse 12 says i looked when he opened the sixth seal and behold there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became like blood and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree dropped its lake figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind well judgment is coming we see the great earthquake well where else do we see that in scripture remember in the olivet discourse when the disciples asked jesus what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age and one of the signs he mentioned to his disciples we as his representatives he said there will be great earthquakes the sun will turn black the moon will become like red stars will fall from the sky there will be a meteor shower this is literal and this is the result of opening up the sixth seal the seal judgments a great earthquake and we see these cosmic disturbances great tribulation coming with that in mind i want us to now look at one of the hearts of what will happen here at this time of the tribulation period revelation chapter 12 is very important for our study today let's read at verse 7 and war broke out in heaven Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. Well, this war in heaven is taking place at the end of the first three and a half years of the tribulation period we notice michael the archangel and satan gathered together in this cosmic duel and struggle and finally michael prevails and casts the devil and his angels down to the earth 
This occurs near the end of these first three and a half years. Notice what verse 12 says. Satan has come down to you because he knows that he has a short time. Well, what does Satan want to try to accomplish? The main thing he does, verse 13 says, when the dragon saw that he had been cast down to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. Now, that woman, of course, represented of Israel. So Satan begins pursuing the Jewish people with fervor and wrath. He wants to wipe them out so God cannot fulfill his promises to his chosen people. But of course, he will fail. He is no match for our sovereign, omnipotent God. Now, at the same time that this is going on, and, and notice that Satan, he's very busy because he knows his time is short. He knows his destiny. It, in Revelation 13, verse 11, at this time, the false prophet rises up from the land. Notice the word land there in context. The land refers all the time to Israel. So the false prophet will rise up from the lineage of the Jewish people, meaning that he is a Jewish false prophet. Now notice conversely when you start at Revelation 13 verse 1, it says the beast comes up out of the sea, referring to the Antichrist. Now Beth sea refers to Gentile humanity in context. The land is Israel, the sea is Gentile humanity which means that the Antichrist is not Jewish, but is a Gentile. What is his activities going to be like? Well, we've talked about this in the past, but in these last end of the three and a half years, the Antichrist and the coalition of the ten nations, remember, will hate the false church. Revelation chapter 17, verses 16 through 17 says, At this time, this great man of peace... This great man of peace, as we call him, who has deceived this false church into thinking there will be this worldwide, new age religion of peace, now shows his true colors. He begins to hate, and he will eventually destroy the false church. But notice what verse 17 says. God puts it in their hearts, that is, the Antichrist and the leaders of the nations, to hate and destroy the false church. Very interesting. The Bible elsewhere says that the king, the heart of the king, that is a leader, is in the hand of the Lord. And the Lord turns the heart of the leaders any way he chooses. That reminds us of something. Right now we have Joe Biden as president. If you're a conservative, you're troubled by his socialistic policies. And you say, why God? Are we going to have to go through four years which could destroy our country? Well, but God says here he's going to put it in the heart of the Antichrist and the ten nations to hate and destroy the false church. That means God is sovereign over the Antichrist. He is sovereign over Joe Biden. We have nothing to fear. God is in control. He's on the throne not Joe Biden, not the Antichrist. So here in Revelation 17, these last three and a half years of the first part of the tribulation period, the Antichrist and the 10 nation revived Roman Empire hates and destroys the false church. Now he leaves Rome and from there he comes back to Jerusalem, to the Temple Mount. Remember he supervised the building of the third temple. He comes into the Holy of Holies 
into the temple, and he commits what the Bible calls the abomination of desolation. That means he declares himself to be God, and he desecrates the temple. He demands worship. That's taught in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, Daniel chapter 11, verse 31, and Matthew 24, 15. Jesus said about this in the Olivet Discourses. So this man of peace shows his true colors to the Jewish people now. Remember, he brought peace between the Jewish people and their neighbors by confirming treaties. Well, now he shows his true colors. He demands to be worshipped, declares himself to be God, and his first plan is to kill the two witnesses with their ministry in Jerusalem. Remember, right before the beginning of the tribulation period, God put two powerful witnesses at the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. And they were busy evangelizing 144,000 Jews that Revelation 7 talks about that will have a worldwide ministry of preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Well, now here, at the end of those first three and a half years, the Antichrist has just committed the abomination of desolation, and now he goes after the two witnesses. Let's read Revelation chapter 11, verse 7. When they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom in Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Then those from the peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put into graves. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them. They're going to have a party. Make merry. They'll send gifts to one another because these two prophets that tormented those who dwell on the earth are now dead. But then wait a minute. Verse 11. Now after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them and they stood on their feet and great fear fell on those who saw them. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud and their enemies saw them. In the same hour, there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. In the earthquake, 7,000 people were killed, and the rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. Well, the Antichrist overcame them, right? He kills the two witnesses. Their corpse lie in the streets for three and a half days. They don't bury them. But then the world says, oh, we're going to have a party. We're going to rejoice over their death. They've tormented us. They bothered us with all that preaching. But then three and a half days later, there's a miracle. The two witnesses are resurrected. It says the whole world watched this, which means it'll be broadcast all over satellite TV, all over the world. And at the time that they are lifted up into heaven, God visits the city with a great earthquake and kills 7,000 people. Well, Again, it shows that God is sovereignly in charge of everything that happens during this tribulation period. He is the holy, omnipotent God. Well, the Antichrist flees. He goes to Babylon now, the literal city of Babylon, the political headquarters of the Antichrist. And Revelation chapter 13, verses 14 through 15 
explains that the false prophet at this time tells the earth dwellers to make an image to the beast. This is worldwide technological worship. And he causes that image to speak. We don't know exactly what that means, but we know the technology is here to pull that off. And then the false prophet implements the mark of the beast, the economic mark 666. We go back now to Revelation chapter 6. Remember, we skipped the fifth seal, but now that fifth seal is opened and the Apostle John sees the souls that have been martyred who refuse to follow the Antichrist. And they're saying, how long, O Lord, before you avenge our blood on the earth? And they were given robes to rest for a while. John marvels at this group of tribulation saints who refused to follow the Antichrist. And then something very unique happens. Verse 14 says that there is an interlude of silence in the heavens. What is this all about? Why is there this silence? Well, God is unveiling to us his bride, who are already in heaven. We as Christians get a glimpse of the horrible judgments that are yet to come on the earth. And there is silence because we are in shock and awe at what will happen in the last three and a half years of the tribulation period. Today on the cross in the desert, I have been explaining to you the events of what will happen at the end of the first three and a half years of the tribulation period. The most important thing that I can teach you today Besides the book of Revelation, I can teach you the most important decision you'll ever make in your life, and that is to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. We live in a world of turmoil and lawlessness. The stage is being set. The next event on the horizon is the rapture of the church. But are you ready to meet Jesus? Have you confessed him? As Lord and Savior, the Bible teaches us that all our uh, righteousness are as filthy rags, that we have broken God's law. All of us have sinned and fall short of God's glory. And the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son for you and me, that we would not perish, but have everlasting life. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, the Bible teaches, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. It's so important today to step away from everything that you're observing on the news and in the world and make sure your life is in order when the rapture comes, to make sure Christ is the Lord of your life. It's not by works that we do, but by grace through faith and what Jesus has done. Religion says do, but Jesus says done. It is finished. I want to thank you so much for listening today to my podcast. God bless you. Have an incredible week, and I will see you next time on The Cross in the Desert.